Good morning, church. I don't know about you, but I love that guitar going like, So let's do it again and again. This is awesome. I'm loving it. Well, last week, we launched a sermon series on unlocking the power of prayer. So if you want to connect and follow what God is doing through this series, connect through the website or download the app. How many of you already downloaded the app? Excellent. Well, the people in this service are supposed to be younger than the other service, and everybody on the other service did it. <laughs> so I hope that you get in technological and download the app. This morning, we're going to preach and teach about what Jesus taught us in Luke 11. Seek and you shall find. So God is doing great things. And we have been asking these questions because we want to pray more. And one of the questions that we asked last week was, is Jesus' model prayer for us? Why we don't pray? Other questions, why do I need to pray if God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, all-seeing, all-benevolent? Why does God not intervene and resolve all our problems? If we cannot influence God, why do we pray? Those are genuine questions. And the translation of that is that that impacts our prayer life. And that's why so many times we quit praying, because we don't have answer to those prayers. Luke 11:9. this is what Jesus tells us. So I said to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. So today, I want to share with you a message that has been burning in my heart, a message about seeking God in prayer. So in Luke 11, 9, Jesus tells us, I said to you, ask, and you will ask, and it will be given to you, and seek, and you will find, and knock, and the door will be open to you. So these words are a powerful reminder of the importance of seeking God in prayer. When we go back to the, old, to the New Testament, and the New Testament was written in Greek, the only reason I go and do this search is to just to compare the, 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 the emphasis on this verb are in present imperative verbs, indicating a command or exhortation to continuously react and act repeatedly, asking, seeking, knocking, so prayer is not a one-time thing. We're supposed to be persistent in, in prayer. Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come into him and eat with him and be with him. So God is a relational God. Jesus is looking for a relationship with you. And I remember in 2003 when I lost my first wife, one of the things that I hated the most was to eat alone. So this verse really gave me the presence of God that I was not there eating alone. God wants a relationship. He's hungry for a relationship. Then when we go back to the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, we have this word tefillah or palal, meaning intervene or to judge. 
emphasizing approaching God, making requests, and seeking his intervention. We want God to be immersed in our life, God in every area of life. It also talks about communion and conversation with God, expressing reverence, making requests, seeking God in prayer, but as a, an integral part of our life as believers, seeking God in a relationship, considering how God moves in the natural so we can start learning these principles and applying to see God move more. God's will is always revealing through prayer, and we grow in spiritual intimacy. Now, we learned last week a definition that we put together as we use the Old Testament and the New Testament. In verse in Matthew 18, this is a prayer definition that I hope you take to heart. Prayer is an earthly agreement between two or more people for the will of the Father to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The key word here is, number one, earth, meaning you have to be on earth. Once you die, there's no more prayers. So you have to be here because it's for us, for us to bring the kingdom of God to earth. But the key word also is agreement, which means that we have to be in agreement to have a powerful and effective prayer life. So the question is, who is your prayer partner? Who do you agree to fight life battles? Who do you call when you are in a bad situation? Who is holding you accountable? Who are you sharing your spiritual life with? Those are key questions that when we understand that prayer is agreement, we understand that we have to be intentionally seeking those relationships, holding each other accountable. So usually when people are not living a life according to God's purpose, we don't want to be accountable because we don't want people to know what we're doing. So prayer reveals the heart. This is why we need intimacy and connection. So I challenge you to seek and find and knock at the doors of the congregation at St. John and find someone to become your prayer partner. So next time something bad happens, you have a person to pray with you on the spot. And today, we want to reflect on what it means to seek God in prayer. It is important because then we're going to experience a transformation and we're going to improve our prayer life. The psalmist in Psalm 4.1, pray with passion. Answer me when I call you, my righteous God. Give me release from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So if anyone this morning is on distress or depressed or with anxiety, here's the answer. Answer me when I call you, my righteous God. Give me release from my distress. So when we are in stress or depressed, it's not time to call people. It's time to call unto God. And we have a tendency to spend hours talking to God in minutes, hours talking to men in minutes talking to God. And then the psalmist also emphasized my righteous God. And that begs the question, who is the God you are praying to? And as I said last Sunday, people pray all over the earth. Every culture, every nation, every religion, everybody prays. So the question is, who are you praying to? What God are you praying to? 
Is your God's name Jehovah or Yahweh? Are you praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because if you are praying to him, you need to know that he is loving, but he's also righteous. He's our father, but he's also the holy judge of the universe, creator of heaven and earth. In Matthew 12, Jesus is challenging us, and he's saying, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment. For every empty word they have spoken, for by your words you will be forgiven, and by your words you will be condemned. This God is a holy God, and we need to set apart that difference, because this is not a homemade God, a God that is your own invention, a God that satisfies your feeling and your desires, a God that is just a, a giver without expecting anything. Our God is a God that holds us accountable for every word, every thought, and every action that we take. So who are you praying to? I see all over the place where I go, when I travel, there is three reasons why people don't believe in God. Do you want to know what those three reasons are? Do you want to know? Come next Sunday. <laughs> Today is about prayer. God is powerful. We are praying to a God that is all powerful. God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We are praying in the name of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who was born from the, from the Virgin Mary. And he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This God is the one we're praying to. Aina mainly painter teaches us this. Prayer depends on God's will, our relationship with him through Jesus Christ, and the state of our hearts. Technological realities, and she was talking about the difference between the phone and prayer, and how, and how um, Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone, and how the phone depends on technological uh, mechanics to work. But prayer depends on our relationship with God. And there is no limitation on prayer, but there is a limitation on what we can do with the phone. So we are now emphasizing three key principles that will activate our prayer life like never before. Number one, seek God's presence. The presence of God is in the spirit of God. And when we go back to the Old Testament, we see Moses, and he understood this principle very well. So I start asking to myself, what can Moses teach us about seeking God's presence? Well, the presence of God was not negotiable for him, and it should, it should not be negotiable for us. In Exodus 33, 13, he's having a conversation with God. And he's saying to God, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me 
and with your people unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the earth? It's the mark of the Holy Spirit in the life of a child of God what makes the difference. And when I read this the first time, I was confused because Moses was in the desert, a place where it's hot during the day, it's cold at night. He was surrounded by people that were complaining and complaining all the time, talking about his wife. If you talk about my wife, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> and he was there. So, but I don't know how, but he said to himself and to God, I better stay here in this madness than living without your presence. So the challenge this morning is that next time you have a situation, forget about the situation. Worry about the fact that the presence of God is with you. If the presence of God is with you, everything will be fine. Fine. So he continued pushing God and saying, now, now, not only give me your presence, but show me your glory. I saw your power in Egypt. I saw you with all these plagues, but now I want to know you. Abraham Lincoln, he put us the way. I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go, my own wisdom, and everything about me seem insufficient for the day. So when there is no other place to go, it's time to go to the presence of God. As believers, we have the incredible privilege of seeking God's presence through prayer, just as a child longs to spend time with their father, we should prioritize spending time with our heavenly father in prayer and worship. Seeking God's presence demonstrates our dependency on him and our earnest desire for a deeper and more intimate relationship with him. So when we get up in the morning and we live without praying, what we're saying is, I am in charge of my day, not you, God. When we seek his presence, on the other hand, we are filled with a peace that surpasses all understanding, a guidance that leads us down to the right path, and a joy that cannot be found anywhere else. You start having confidence, the anxiety goes away, and you start to rest in the Lord. Imagine a young girl who is eagerly seeking the presence of his father, she waits patiently by the window, longing for the father to return. And when he finally arrives, her face lights up with joy. Well, in the same way, when we seek God's presence in prayer, we should not live in the same way we got in. Our hearts are filled with a similar satisfaction as we encounter the presence of the Heavenly Father. So if you are praying for a situation in your life, and you ask me, Pastor, how long I need to pray for? One hour, three hours? One day, three days? I will say to you, you pray until you see a breakthrough. You don't stop. You keep praying. You keep praying. You keep seeking. You, can, you keep knocking. And God will open the door for you. So if you forget everything I said, remember this. Through prayer, we can see God's presence in our lives. We prioritize spending time with him in prayer in worship. Seeking God's presence help us find us peace, guidance, and joy. St. Augustine, one of the fathers of the faith, 
He was teaching, and he put it like this. God is always near us, but we are often far from him. In prayer, we seek not his physical proximity, but a deeper awareness of his presence. It is through prayer that we draw nearer to God and find comfort on his loving presence. So God doesn't move. We are the ones who hide from his presence. This is why this morning I encourage you also seeking to seek God's will. Next, so seeking God's will is crucial for our journey. Prayer is not solely about presenting our request to God or about other things and asking and asking and asking material things, but it's about aligning our will with his. When we see God, we surrender our desires and trust his perfect plan for our lives. Through prayer, we can ask for his guidance and discernment in decision-making. So if you have a decision to make, it's a perfect time to surrender and say, you know what, I'm going to do your will, not mine. Give me the strength to follow the Spirit. Seeking God's will requires us to set aside our own agendas and seek his wisdom, his wisdom and direction. When our desires align with God's will, we experience a harmonious and purposeful life. That remind, I don't know if you remember Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in Luke 22, Jesus was praying with passion, fervently. So if I ask you this morning, describe your prayer life, what would you say? Let's follow the example of Jesus in Luke 22, 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drop of blood falling to the ground. When he rose, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. What, why are you sleeping, he asked. Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So when there is situations in our life and, there is, and, you are, and, you are, and you are tired and you are exhausted from sorrow and you don't know what to do, it's not time to sleep and cover your bed. It's time to get up and pray. Pray so you keep yourself centered in God and with the right perspective. Jesus was doing a fervent prayer a passionate prayer. He was praying earnestly. But how? How can I move from a, a shallow prayer, a prayer where I don't experience any things, where I'm just praying with my mind to a passionate prayer? Well, here's the secret. Do you remember what you pray? Our prayer sometimes, we start with, I'm praying for my heart, and then I pray for my family, and then I pray for the church. And then I pray for my finances, and then I pray for my job. And by the time you finish, you don't even remember what you pray about. Or sometimes prayer is like 
a, a good sermon when people say, did you hear the sermon? And you say, yes, it was a very good sermon. And then you ask, what was the sermon about? I don't know, but it was good. <laughs> what is the prerequisite? What is the secret to have a passionate prayer? Well, here it is. Fervent prayer first is focus. A specific prayers being, brings a specific results. And number two, relationship. Fervent prayers come out of intimacy and deep relationships. Don't tell people I am praying for you if you, are not, if you don't mean it. When you say that to people that you are not in relationship with them, they know you are not praying. Why? Because the most effective, passionate, and profitable prayers will come from the people who love you the most. People who are in, intentionally in a relationship with you. And that's, precise, that, that, that's, that's the key here, because when you are in a relationship with a person, that's why I'm very intentional on developing relationships. Because once I know you, I will pray for you, and it will not be like this, Father, I pray for you. No, it will be Father, because now I know what they are going through. And this is precisely why, on the other hand, that we don't understand that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of relationship. So this is precisely why the enemy doesn't want us to connect, to spend time together, to have fellowship, to love each other, love one another. He knows that if we continue growing as a big spiritual family, we, the St. John families, we spend time together, we are going to become unstoppable. And that's why the enemy is always trying to keep us busy so we don't connect. Now we have the homecoming. Hello. Fall festival, we need to go back to fellowship in the gym. We are St. John. We are the St. John family. After all, the light never goes out at St. John. That's what I learned the first day I got here. But I was wondering, who is keeping the light on? We need to stay together. And we need to spend time together. And then our prayers will be powerful. We need to seek God. We need to seek God and let the Holy Spirit become our compass to direct our life. So prayer is not just about getting what we want, but aligning our will with God. In seeking God's will, we surrender our desires and trust his perfect plan like Jesus did. We can ask for, for guidance and discernment in decision-making through prayer. Next time you're going to make a decision, Stop everything, surrender your agenda to God, and he will show you. One of our theologians, Richard P. Hensenrader, put it this way. Prayer is not a means by which we bend God's will to ours. Rather, it is a means by which we bend our will to God. As we see God's, God's will in prayer, we discovered that our desires are transformed and aligned with his perfect plan for us. So very, very often when you start praying, you start with one idea, and then when you finish praying, you shift and change because God already is working in your heart. And I don't know you, but I, I'm, very, I'm guilty of trying to convince people and 
talking and talking and talking and talking when I should be praying and praying and praying and let God do the work. If you talk more to God than you talk to your husband, your husband will change. If you talk more to God than you talk to your wife, your wife will change. Your children will change. Everybody will change. So God is teaching us that it's important to seek his kingdom first if we want to activate this life of prayer. So in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus tells us, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So people know this verse by heart. What is interesting is that they jump and forget this little part, his righteousness. They go and say, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added or given to you. No, seek first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. God is a righteous God. Prayer is a means when we seek God's kingdom, but also there is an opportunity for us to participate in his work. So prayer, we can intercede for others, pray for the advancement of the kingdom on earth and bring alignment to our hearts with God's mission. If we don't pray, all we do is our mission, our life, our, my agenda, my, me, 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 me. When we start praying, we shift and start now connecting with God and what God wants to do in the community and in the world. When we seek God's kingdom through prayer, he equips us and empowers us to make lasting, a lasting impact on this world. And I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because what I'm sharing with you about this sermon series is from experience. This is not from a book. So when I came here, I already shared that with you. I came here with the American dream of having my own house, my clinic, uh, two kids, one dog, and a new car. That was the plan. You cannot get more selfish than that. And then, it's not that that is bad. What it was bad, it was I was only focused on me. And God says, I can give you that, but then what? Well, I start praying, and God begins to shift and opening, to open my eyes on the needs of the community. Now, picture this. Now we have a missionary trip going to Dominican Republic. So picture this, dream, this team praying for the people we are about to serve there. What if we as a church begin to intercede for this team that is going representing St. John for the needs of the people and pray for the needs of the people in the DR, their spiritual well-being, and we pray, for the, we pray that the, the impact will be great, that we are going to be participants and we're going to join this missionary trip. Even though you cannot go in person you certainly can go with your prayers. After all, if we go to Dominican Republic in the name of Josmar Alvarez, that would not work. Why? Because what is written is the gate of hell will not prevail against the church. This is why it's so important that missionaries are sent by churches, not going on their own. Because what Jesus promised is the gate of hell will not prevail against what? The church. So when the church is sending you, you are there representing the church and representing Christ, the body of Christ. You are not, that, you are not there in your name, but in the name of Jesus and sent by the church. 
Prayer can be a way to speak and to seek God's kingdom and participate in his work. Through prayer, we can intercede for others and pray for the advancement of the kingdom on earth. So I invite you to pray like the apostles pray, like people pray in the Old Testament. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. That's why I'm emphasizing righteousness. And his ears are open to their prayers. And I was talking to the youth last week, and I said, righteousness is not about doing things. It's a position in Christ. It's by faith. It's by faith that we need to be positioned in Christ to walk in this path of righteousness. And then the promise is he will hear our prayers. If we ask anything to his will, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Pray at all times in the spirit, which means you should be, we should be praying all the time. But also, when you have the time to stop everything and focus on God and God only, your prayer will be powerful. And if you don't believe me, try to talk to your wife looking at your phone and see what happens. Same thing, when we're talking to God, the master of the universe, we should stop everything, talk to him. Talk to him. We need to start praying the word of God so our prayers are not empty, but, pro, pro, uh, but, but effective. So Jeremiah knew about this powerful principle. And what the, this chapter says is that Jeremiah was confined in the courtyard of the guard. When the, when the Lord spoke to him for the second time, wow, in the same day, the second time. Sometimes we pray and God talked to us in 2001 and then 2023 we pray again and God talked to us again. Well, Jeremiah, he was praying and two times the same day. If you really spend time with God, he is going to speak to you daily, more than once. And he was confined, so he could not move. He was ordered to stay there. So there are situations in your life where you are going to be confined. You cannot move. You cannot do anything. What you do? You pray. You talk to God. Then he says, this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great unsearchable things you do not know. It's powerful. That's, I refer to this as God's phone number. Jeremiah 3, 3, 3, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So when you pray, go before God without the expectation of a, a specific answer. Let him to surprise you, to shock you. Call unto him. He says, call, call to me, and I will answer you. That's the promise. And I will show you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God wants to surprise us, teach us about the mysteries of the kingdom, how to impact the earth, how to make disciples, how to worship the right way. We need to seek God. Martin Luther King, Jr., he confessed this statement. 
when he says, our ultimate goal, listen to this, is not merely seek personal success or worldly achievement. That's not the ultimate goal. But to strive to establish God's kingdom on earth through prayer and action, we can participate in the work of justice, compassion, and reconciliation, bringing about a glimpse of heaven in our midst. Every time I go to places, people say, well, when we have people from other nations praying and worshiping, it's like a glimpse of heaven. That is right, but there is also right that a glimpse of heaven is when we are also feeding the hungry, closing the naked. That's the God we are serving. It's a God of justice. How can we do that? That's the God that we serve. His character is to take care of the naked, take care of the blind, of the hungry, of the homeless, of the cripple, the lepers, the people who are, who are uh, lost, those who feel uncared for or unloved, unwanted, the burden of society, people who are shunned, not important. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. We need to look at, that, at them with compassion. And that compassion, that, compa that compassion only comes when you pray and when you seek a relationship with people. So you can give people food, say, here, eat, you're hungry, and leave. That would not change the person. You know what changed the person? You give the food, sit down, and talk. Ask them, what is your story? Who are you? And then share your story and see how you develop relationships that way. And the life of the person is changed. This is the call to action. God is calling us through Jesus and saying to us, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So I pray that you start seeking God in prayer seriously because we are about to face challenges in the 21st century like never before. Make it a priority to set aside dedicated time each day to seek his presence, his will, and his kingdom. Mark the day that you start praying for something or for someone and see how God answers your prayers. Have a prayer journal, not only to record what you say, but also to mark what you are praying and who you are praying for and see how God intervenes and gives you a testimony that you can then share with others. Ask God for faith and discipline to prioritize prayer in your life. I say this all the time. Sometimes I don't want to pray. I don't have a desire to pray. Do you know what my prayer is? God, give me a desire to pray. Sometimes I don't want to fast because I love Cuban food and I want to eat it all. But then I pray, God, give me a desire to fast. And then I start fasting again. Sometimes we have to pray to pray. We have to fast to fast. A desire to spend time with the world. Seek him relentlessly, knowing he's always ready to meet you where you are. So don't worry about having long prayers. Just baby steps. Just start. He will meet you where you are. Let us not take this privilege lightly, but earnestly seek him with our whole hearts and watch as our lives are transformed by his presence, his will, and his kingdom. So as I said to you, I'm always challenging the church 
to take one tangible action. So I shared last Sunday, we're going to start September 5th to have this prayer online, 8 to 8.30. You're going to have a Zoom link. You connect from wherever you are, your car, your house. If you are sleepy or not, connect. And we're going to pray. So there's no camera, only voice. That will make accessible for people who are here in St. John and people who are online. And then Tuesday night, the same day, 6 to 7, we're going to pray in the sanctuary. We're going to walk around. We're going to pray for every area of the church, for every ministry of the church. And then we're going to go out and also pray for the community intentionally, just to pray that God pour out his spirit and transform this community. So let us remember this principle that I shared with you last week. The size of the church prayer meeting will determine the church impact on the earth. So my hope is that at the end of this sermon series, you have all the tools that you need to move your prayer life to a whole new level. Because if people are not showing up to pray, doesn't matter how many programs do we have, doesn't matter how much we plan, without prayer, nothing is effective. Conclusion. In closing, the verse in Luke eleven nine holds a powerful invitation from Jesus himself. He's assuring us that when we seek, we will find. When we ask, it will be given. And when we knock, the door will be open. We have the incredible privilege of seeking the creator and sustainer of the universe in prayer. Let us not take this opportunity lightly. Let us seek him with our whole hearts and watch as our lives are transformed by his presence, his will, and kingdom. I want to invite you to pray where you are and come into agreement as we pray for the people that we love and as we connect with God in his mission around the world. Let's bow our heads and come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you with grateful hearts, acknowledging that you are God, a God who hears and responds to us in prayer. Help us seek your kingdom. Help us seek you with all our hearts, eagerly desiring your presence, your will, and your kingdom. Grant us the discipline to prioritize prayer in our lives. And may our time spent with you be fruitful. Teach us to surrender our desires and trust in your perfect plans. Equip us, O oh Lord, to be intercessors for others and ambassadors of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The table of the Lord is uh, a sign of the cross. And this is why in the United Methodist Church, we have an open table. So those who believe in Christ,
repent from their sins, are welcome to the table of the Lord. So let's prepare our hearts for communion.